Mobile business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet, the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ. We're all advancing U.S. stocks at the best level of the day. We are at records as we move into the final hour of trading on this first trading day of the fourth quarter. S&P up eight now at 25.27. That is a gain of three-tenths of one percent. U.S. equities rising along with the dollar's factory data and the prospect for tax cuts boosts optimism in the economy. Right now, the Dow is up 142 points, up six-tenths of one percent. NASDAQ up 15, a gain of two-tenths of one percent. Ten-year yield, 2.34 percent. Gold is down six dollars the ounce to 12.73 down five tenths of one percent. West Texas intermediate crude holding above fifty dollars a barrel at fifty fifty eight. WTI down two point one percent today. Brent crude at fifty six twelve. A drop there of 1.2%. Well, Wall Street continues to digest and debate the president's tax plan. Ian Weiner is co-head of equities at Wedbush Securities. The craziest thing that's changed is all these fiscal hawks have sort of flown away. Um, this was originally going to be a revenue-neutral plan. This was originally require, going to require a, a border adjustment tax, then an Obama re- repeal and replace, and now you're getting none of them. Then they're talking about a state and local deduction that is never going to happen. And so ultimately you have all these fiscal hawks who've been all over, you know, not spending any more money. And now we're going to be continuing to run up the deficit. Nordstrom falling the most in almost five months amid growing concerns about a deal to take the upscale department store chain private. Nordstrom shares they're down now by 6.2%. Recapping equities higher across the board. Here we are at records. S&P up 8 to 25.27, a gain there of three-tenths of 1%. I'm Charlie Pellet. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. All right, Charlie Pellet, thank you so much. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets right here on Bloomberg Radio. Dave's got his chart of the day right now. Dave, looking at a stock senator with a little REM. Sitting still. That's what it's all about. I and I say that. that. In the context of market movement, I mean, we, we've seen the S&P 500 setting records again, again lately. It's just that you haven't had the kind of movement day to day that you would ordinarily expect. And what the chart does is focus on September. Uh, and you know, it's a month that historically has been a down month. You figure you'd see some day to day movement in stocks. You look at the high and low on the S&P 500 and you find out the average swing on a given day was only four tenths of a percentage point. Our data goes back to 1982 on the Bloomberg terminal and you have never seen a smaller move on average day to day in September. Uh the folks at LPL Financial Research Wait, that's, a, that's a wow. Yeah, they have numbers going back to nineteen seventy. Same thing. So you're talking about a stability that you have not seen in the market in decades. And to have that come at a time when you've got the S and P five hundred setting records, you know, it's just it's so unusual because it almost makes the stock market look like the place to be to avoid volatility, not to end up in it. So, you know, it's definitely at odds with history. Uh, you kind of get people figuring that at some point it's got to change based on, you know, the simple concept of mean reversion, which they refer to in statistics that, you know, you, you, you will come back to something more like the average. 
And, uh, you know, we keep waiting. I mean, it was like that all summer, and here we are today. But it could happen you know, sooner or it could happen later. Yeah, absolutely. It's timing. That's what it's all about. Yeah. You look at the S&P 500 today, the range on the index, three-tenths of a percentage point. So we're starting October where we ended September in terms of the lack of movement day to day. If you want to know more, folks, send me an email. I'll get you the chart, the explanation that goes with it, and everything I do going forward. The email address is dwilson at bloomberg.net. That's dwilson at bloomberg.net. Great stuff, David, as always. Let's bring in Carl Wickedon right now. He is uh, here with us right now, our chief U.S. economist. Here in studio, in our 1130 studios, all of us here together. Does that stability make sense that we're seeing among investors? They do seem to be able to kind of shrug off anything that comes their way based on what you're seeing in the economic environment. Well, we're approaching the, let's say, the mid-stage of the cycle. And it does look like the economy is accelerating to some degree. So when there's a tailwind, even a bad sailor can make some headway. And I think that is what we're seeing in the economy here. Not that it's bad sailors in the market, but, you know, we've been stuck at this 2% growth rate for for most of the last eight years. It looks like maybe now we are seeing some degree of acceleration. Now, mind you, Q3 could be a pretty lousy quarter with all of these hurricane mm-hmm. impacts uh, in the data. But uh, even that hurricane impact in Q4 is going to be made up. Uh, and it looks like uh, as we approach year end, we could be uh, clocking a, a forward speed of 2.4, 2.5%, which is doesn't sound like a lot better than 2%, but in a $17 trillion economy, right. uh, that makes a big difference. Yeah, it's like 25% better. Absolutely. Okay, I'm not good at math, but, you know. Close enough. And closer and closer to 3%. Right. So as we're growing at that faster speed, then faster economic growth supports stronger corporate earnings, and that in turn then has feedback mechanism into stock valuations. And it's not just happening in the U.S., but I'm just going to say that we we keep seeing it was the OECD, right, that has talked about growth kind of around the globe. Absolutely. So earlier in this cycle, it has been very much the U.S. uh, going it alone. Uh, Now we're seeing uh, coordinated uh, global growth. So uh, Europe looking uh, much stronger uh, and uh, even Japan posting stronger mm-hmm. figures, uh, China doing decently. Uh, so it uh, looks like things are kind of falling in alignment for a change because so many times during this cycle, uh, just as the economy looked to be maybe getting its uh, sea legs, we'll keep the sailing analogy alive, okay. uh, getting its sea legs, uh, the, the, the bottom would be, the rug would be pulled out from under it like the European sovereign debt crisis and uh, any other number of events. And what a wet rug that would be. Sailing with that rug. So uh, let me ask you, uh, with those metaphors well mixed, um, you know, are we at a point, though, where that's a number of, of GDP growth that is fast enough to be better, 25%, as I said, that's but true. not so fast that it's going to uh, cause inflation to puff up our spinnakers? <laughs> well, I don't know about the spinnakers, but uh, if we're growing at 2.5%, that should be enough to start to firm the inflation pressures. And we haven't seen that to, uh, to date. Uh, but as I say time and time again uh, on this program, inflation is a lagging economic indicator. And that best fit is with about a six-quarter lag. And if we look at what the economy was doing six quarters ago, right. that was some very lousy growth figures. Uh, and so it's not surprising that we're getting the inflation weakness now. We do know in the interim the economy has gradually improved and now may be improving further through year end. Uh, so this doesn't tell us necessarily that inflation will pick up by year end. Uh, but over the course of the medium term, we should see some upward bias to uh, the inflation trend. And, Carl, I mean, even though inflation has been just kind of slugging along in terms of picking up, it could pick up and, the you know, 
growth of that rate could accelerate as well, correct? Right, absolutely. That would be a development that we Past have, performance that no we have not seen uh, in this cycle. Exactly. Excellent, excellent warning there. Uh, but this is a, an economy that has become very accustomed to that right. lack of pricing power. Uh, if you see growth accelerating and the unemployment rate is in low 4% territory, uh, you are starting to sow the fertile ground of an inflation pickup. Uh, the timing of that is hard to determine, but uh, you know it, it should be moving in that direction. Dave Wilson, Come on in on the conversation, Bloomberg Stocks columnist. I do. I am curious that you know, as we start to hear from uh, companies, um, when we start to get into quarterly earnings, you know, what they say about any kind of pricing pressures that they're seeing, uh, whether it's wages or other, I don't know, you know, other things that they're dealing with in their business and running well, their businesses. There is certainly that potential. I mean, the number jumps out at me from the Institutes for Supply Management's monthly survey about prices paid. You got a whole lot more companies. In that survey, uh, talking about higher prices than economists were looking for. Now, that's generally at the wholesale level we're, we're talking about. The real question is, what does that mean in terms of profitability? Can companies pass on the increased costs? Do they have pricing power? Right. Like you say, when we get the third quarter results, at least we'll start to see what kind of shape they're in when it comes to handling whatever increases they're facing in their costs. The one thing I would just add to that, uh, which could be the one variable that uh, could uh, throw things for a loop, uh, is the dollar. If suddenly we see the dollar appreciating dramatically as the Fed is in the exit uh, process here, uh, that could uh, lead to an inflation backslide. And our Pim Fox reminding us that those ISA manufacturing numbers were pretty good uh, today. Carl Solid Rickdana. report. Yeah, Carl Rickdana of Bloomberg Intelligence and our Bloomberg Stocks columnist, Dave Wilson. This is Nathan Hager right now. He's got world and national news headlines from our 99 studios in Washington, D.C. Coria Bell told three times on the White House South Lawn as President and Mrs. Trump, along with Vice President Mike Pence and his wife Karen, led a moment of silence for the 58 victims, more than 500 people hurt, in what is now the deadliest mass shooting in modern U.S. history at the country music concert last night in Las Vegas. White House spokeswoman Sarah Sanders seemed overcome as she kept the focus on the victims. And here's what uh, Sanders had to say. The memory of those who displayed the ultimate expression of love in the midst of an unimaginable act of hate will never fade. Their examples will serve as an eternal reminder that the American spirit cannot and will not ever be broken. Now, President Trump has added a trip to Las Vegas to his schedule following a day in Puerto Rico tomorrow. Bloomberg's Irv Chapman with more from Washington. The president has dismissed complaints that aid has been too slow to reach the storm-battered Puerto Rican countryside. He commented as he began a previously scheduled meeting with the Prime Minister of Thailand. We are going to be seeing all of the first responders, the military, FEMA. Frankly, most importantly, we're going to be seeing the people of Puerto Rico. It's been amazing what's been done in a very short period of time on Puerto Rico. There's never been a piece of land that we've known that was so devastated. The president added, because of what took place in Las Vegas, this has been a rough day for us. In Washington, I'm Irv Chapman, Bloomberg Radio. The suspect now dead identified as 64-year-old retiree Stephen Paddock. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Nathan Hager, and this is Bloomberg.